0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 91 of the CU Insight Experience. This episode is brought to you by our friends at PSCU. As the nation's premier payments QSO. PSCU proudly supports the success of more than 1,500 credit unions, My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of CUinsight.com, and it is my job on the show to have conversations with the best and the brightest of the credit union community. I get to pick their brains and see if we can't find a few nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is Mina Worthington. Mina is the president and CEO of Celerity Credit Union in Yakima, Washington. Uh, this was a fun conversation. We talked about a lot, digital transformation, the future of credit unions, remote work, and what the workplace looks like going forward, and how to keep the, the credit union culture intact with all the change that's going on. Mina shared some amazing nuggets in the leadership section of the show, uh, her path to the CEO office went through. You know quite honestly most of the departments throughout the credit union and in even a, a stint with a bank so she had some great advice not only for future CEOs trying to climb their way up but but also new CEOs as well since she uh, got her first shot at being a CEO in 2008 she knows what it's like to start during a an interesting time period this was really good stuff as always we had some fun with the rapid fire questions to wrap up the show Mina and I share what we both believe is the best album of all time that's something we we have in common so you know she's good people i think you are really gonna take a lot out of this conversation i know i did so without further ado i give you my conversation with mina worthington enjoy mina welcome to the show
1: Hi there. How are you?
0: I am doing well at interesting times we are all living through. It gives us a lot to talk about. So first, you know, how are things with you and your team? How's everyone holding up?
1: <gasps> you know, everyone's holding up. I feel like now that, you know, we're heading towards the end of August, people are a little bit more fatigued at this point, you know? I think people are tired of the isolation that they're feeling. They're, they're tired of not being able to necessarily come into the office and engage in the way that they would prefer to with their staff. So, yeah, I think people are starting to get a little tired. And so, you know, leading has become that much more difficult.
0: I, I was going to say that's going to lead us, I think, going to do a bunch of different directions as leaders. I agree with all those people, though, too. It's interesting to how much we miss just that day-to-day interaction i think right like so it's uh it, the fatigue is real that's for sure any hacks that you've come across as a leader to keep your team feeling connected with everything going on and it's been interesting i think as we went through this there's so much other things taking up our mental space as well beyond work you know kids going back to school and things like that you know is there any way that you found to keep your team you know connected
1: well, one of the things that I've been doing since the beginning of all of this is a regular update. At the beginning, it was a couple of times a week, and most recently, it's it's been only once a week. But just a regular update about what's going on in the organization, you know, the changes that we're seeing, the way that members are behaving, you know, reaching out. Um, school is starting, so reaching out, saying, "Hey, you've got kids at home, and you're worried about working at home, and your kids going to school at home. Reach out to HR." you know, we're trying to um, to make this the best situation for everybody. If you're worried about working from home and needing internet access, as well as a couple of kids also tapping into the bandwidth, you know, um, reach out to IT. IT, you know, we're giving you a reimbursement for your internet, you could need to just get a second internet service provider. So you have double the bandwidth, so, you know, really trying to help people with logistics, you know, of of this. So those are the sort of tangibles. You know, the other thing that I've been doing is I started out with my updates being through email and then, and that was good for a while. And then I realized that I really needed to do them video recording. And so what I'm doing now is I'm providing my update with in a video recording. We share those things in a software called, we have a communication software called hammer that we use internally. It's kind of like social media for business, if you will. And so I'm posting, these updates, these videos to Yammer so that people can view the videos a couple of different times if they want to. So it's it's helping, I think, take it to another level. The more um, isolated people feel, the more high touch that, that they, I feel they need.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I've been a part of a few different CEO calls over this time. And I think that connection point is something that everybody's still trying to figure out and not knowing where this is going to lead going forward, right? And how long we're going to be in this situation. So, you know, when you look back personally over the past couple of months, how do you feel you've grown as a leader? Not, none of us had been through a global pandemic, I don't think before, you know, so. <laughs>
1: no, no, certainly not. Um, you know, one of the things that I think that I tend to be good at is dragon slaying, And I, I see this as, as a dragon slain situation, right? Yeah. So I tend to kind of shine in those situations where it's like I have a dragon we have a dragon um you know I'm leading the charge here you know uh my sword is out and so you know everybody get behind me we're going to slay this dragon. So I felt really and not to sound bad yeah. but I felt kind of energized by the problem in the beginning right like by the, the the dragon that I needed to slay on behalf of the organization on behalf of the community. And so the the dragon has become a little more elusive right like I thought we <laughs> killed the dragon. Oh wait, now it has another nope, head. You it's know? Back. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> so it's been kind of an interesting, you know, time in that regard and that the dragon is sort of a, of an ongoing. And so the, the thing that I've also really tried to do is energize the team behind the idea of, you know, never let a crisis go wasted. You know, there's a great opportunity here to do a lot of transformation of the way that we do business. And so we've been talking forever about digital transformation. We've been talking forever about all these different things. We cannot stand by. And so also, oh, we're doing we're dealing with this major change in our personal lives and in the way that we work. And by the way, I'm going to completely shift the business model too.
0: So, yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you said that like rising to the occasion when I was speaking with Chuck Purvis on the podcast a few weeks back, him and I, and it's, you kind of go, well, we didn't want this, but it's almost like being able to move quickly and have to make decisions and things like that. It can be re-energizing to say, okay, what can we do here? Like going forward? And I, like, I know we've had a, I want to say we've had a ton of fun at CU Insight, but it's like, how can we deliver news and everything in a different way and i've heard that quite a bit from credit unions as well and and i will say it kind of leads me to the next question you know historically we've been that an industry that tends to move slow and i've been really impressed over the past few months on how fast everybody has made changes to serve the members what would you say is the biggest change at your credit union and you know how do you think that plays in long term even once this is all behind us
1: well, a couple of really big changes. One of the biggest changes is going to be that we are going to maintain this remote workforce. You know, uh, about two weeks before this all kind of really broke at the at mid-February, I met with an architect about building 40,000 square feet, you know, new 40,000, 50,000 square, <laughs> square feet, right? Yeah. And I I mean, I hate to build buildings because it's just, it's a lot of it's millions and millions of dollars of fixed asset. You know, I could be doing other things with that money to generate income, right? But it, then I've got to invest in this building, right? And, and so, um, you know, we, we deployed everybody remote and then everybody, everybody actually really loved it at the beginning. Now people are starting to say, well, we still love it, but, you know, we would like to come together with our team. So one of the things that we're doing is we're going to move forward with the remote workforce, but use the current facilities that we have as places to engage and collaborate, and so I think that we're going to end up with some sort of a hybrid approach. So you might work at home two or three days a week. You might come to the office, you know, two or three days a week kind of thing. And that will use our space and rotate teams in and out so that we can use the same amount of space for five times the amount of people that it would fit normally, right, by, by rotating people in and out. So that is a, is a big change and, uh, and something that I think is going to be uh, an interesting way to learn our way into and, and remain culturally um, the way we want to be.
0: That's a big thing with remote work, right? Is trying to make sure the culture still holds when people are in yes. different places. So, yeah. That's-
1: yes. And so, we're learning, you know, how to um, lead the organization from a human resources perspective differently in that regard. And, you know, it's worked in many, many industries, right? There are many industries where, you know, the entire workforce is remote. You know, think about all these Pharmaceutical companies or whoever who have all these outbound salespeople, you know, yep. we still may, are able to maintain pretty cohesive culture. So I know it can be done. It's just going to be a matter of digging our, our heels in and making sure that we don't give up, that we keep moving forward to make this a, a great culture the way we want it to be.
0: Yesterday, I was going to say, I was listening to NPR and they had the CEO of one of the big consulting firms on out there, but they didn't, and I'm going to have to Google this to put in the show notes, but they did a survey of CEOs across the country. And what you're speaking of was, I mean, across like in that study result that they were talking about that most do not see bringing as many people back and making that office, the headquarters space, much more collaborative uh, the same way to keep that connection because people want a hybrid basically of, you know, employees want a hybrid of, you know, what they had before and what they have today. So, yeah.
1: Well, and we had been for a while hiring people for very specialized positions like software engineers and very specialized uh, marketing technologists in different types of positions where we couldn't necessarily recruit in our local market. You know, we're in pretty we're in a rural, rural central Washington market. So we've been hiring people for remote positions or people who have, who are moving, but they want to stay employed. Our compliance officer has been with us. For seven years, four of those have been remote because her husband's in the in the military, and so she travels with him and maintains our you know our compliance officer. So we've been doing that for a while. It's just on a much larger scale now. And actually, when we hire people, saying our intent is that you at least work remote half of the time, right?
2: Yeah.
1: So that's a big big change. Um, the other big changes are coming in our in our membership. Obviously, you know we're asking our members to do business differently. Our lobbies are are closed and will remain closed. Yep. So asking members to transition the way that they do business, actually proactively reaching out to members who are using our drive-ups for transactions that they could be doing otherwise, like a check deposit. I mean, with remote deposit capture, I can't imagine why anybody would ever want to drive sit, sit in the drive-up for 10 or <laughs> minutes and try to deposit a check. I mean, I need a picture of it with my phone and yeah. it's in my account, you know? trying to educate members about that and the security behind that Mm -hmm. so making proactively reaching out to the membership and helping them to get a little more digital in their lives and you know about 40 percent of them are willing are ready willing and able so it's a good sign
0: it has been so cool to see the transformation that has happened in members this technology has been around for a while but the adoption rate has just went through the roof right during this and you know that once you've Taken a the picture of the check, you're you're never going back, right? Like right. it's just like this is much easier. So a, kind of a bigger blimp level question that I would ask you, is there something that you think credit unions overall long term need to do differently to to stay relevant? Before this all happened, there was a lot of disruption going on in financial services. So Is there something we need to be doing better?
1: Uh, Well, this is a big opportunity for current members and the consumers who are not members to have a different perspective about our technological capabilities. You know, we we discovered through the research that we've done, you know, as an industry through CUNA, that one of the things that members say about us is, well, they don't have the sophistication, right, to meet my needs. And so I think that um, we need to continue to provide that that knowledge of the sophistication that we have to meet the needs um, of our members and so we need to continue to work on that technology and improving that technology and understand that you know this is the you know your quote unquote website which your members don't know the difference between online banking and website right that's right. nope. the place nope. where you interact with your your members that interaction is just as important as the training you give to your staff it's, it's as important as the remodel you're doing to your lobby so putting the money and the time towards making sure that that digital experience meets their expectation. And it's a huge opportunity for
0: us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the last question in this first section, if, if we were to sit down a year from now, if you broke out that crystal ball, which I know tends to be foggy for most of us at this point in time, but uh, you know, what are you most proud of that you and your team have accomplished at the credit union?
1: That we have actually accomplished the transformation of our business model into the digital age.
0: So I have to ask you, because you brought that up a couple of times now. It it sounds like, tell me if I'm wrong here, that that was something you were working on before this all happened. So has it just been kind of pushed forward? Uh, like at a faster pace or
1: yes. So, I mean, we've been saying for a long time, you know, the, the words digital transformation and to us digital transformation doesn't mean we have online banking, right? right. transformation yep. means that, that our business operates like a technology company that offers financial services versus a financial services company that offers technology. Yep. So yep. we've been pushing towards the digitization of our business for quite some time. And so I feel like now's the opportunity to really, um, the public is going to be ready, willing, and able to move faster. And we've been capable. It's, we've been able to open accounts and, and you know, loans and all this stuff. We've been able to close a loan 100% digitally for a long time. But now people are going, wow, I, I didn't have to come in. I can just do all that. Like, this, is this, I think, is a huge opportunity for us to say, yeah, we can do it. And guess what? You know, you are ready. Let's bring that together. And so I think it's a huge opportunity to bring our members along with where the technology is capable.
0: It's really is interesting, even outside of financial services and credit unions to see where that's going to go during this, Jill and I bought a new car and, you know, it was most of it was done zoom and email and stuff even before we ever did anything. So, you know, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see just how that adoption and that we've I think all kind of been waiting for um, is is actually going to take place. All right. So on to the second part of the show, the leadership section. I was really looking forward to asking some of these questions. Uh, I mean, to start, what inspired you originally to take the job as president and CEO of the credit union in the first place?
1: <laughs> you know, I actually worked at my first credit union when I was 18 years old and by the time I was about 20 I had uh, made the decision that I wanted to be a credit union
2: CEO. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so,
1: um so yeah, it's been something that I've wanted to do for a very very long time and so it's something that I've worked for since a young age uh, yeah. and so I've what I always thought was that the best CEO would probably be the one that was a good generalist and so I have spent time in lending, operations, IT, I spent time in accounting finance. And so I've, I spent my time sort of working my way up to the CEO by basically taking um, moves to various parts of the organization. Sometimes I always, this isn't my phrase, Cheryl Sandberg yeah. says, you know, a career is more like a jungle gym than a ladder. You know, we tend to think of things as a progression of, you know, promotions. Yeah. And while I, I read her book many years after I already did this, (laughs) I also viewed my career as as more of a jungle gym. So I made moves laterally. I made moves sometimes backwards just to get experience. You know, I went from like a a position where I was a VP of finance to back to a branch manager at a large institution because I hadn't ever worked. uh, I hadn't worked as a branch manager in the branch environment. I would only worked as like a teller in a branch environment.
0: So, okay. Two different questions there. Did you get your start as a teller? Are you one of those, the stories that teller to CEO? Or, yes, I started yeah. as a
1: color when I was seventeen years old. Oh, that's fantastic!
0: And, and then the second question, you know, I've talked often with CEOs on the podcast. You know, kind of from two different schools of, of thought, like where some came up in the organization the whole way through and became CEO, others you had to leave to find that other opportunity, right? Like, oh, yeah. um,
1: I left. I didn't stay in the same organization. I've been. Yeah. I've worked in several different entities. I worked in. A, I've worked in banks as well.
0: Did you really? Okay, now we have to ask: Is there stuff that you brought back from that experience that's helped you? Lead oh, today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I
1: went into banking in 2000. And that was just when credit unions were starting to get into business lending. And so I went into banking, and um, I was a market manager at a large bank. And basically, the, at that point, they were pushing the, the small business lending out into the branches keeping their commercial loan officers for the larger deals and anything that was like a million under was being done by the market managers and the branch managers. And so, yeah, that's where I got my small business lending experience. And I thought, Oh man, I've ruined my credit union career. And I tell you when I was ready to get back into credit unions, it was like, what you've been doing small business banking for the last three years. You know? So it was, it was something that, yeah, that, that people loved. (laughs)
0: They want to bring you back in. That's for sure. Oh, that's really cool. So how, since becoming the CEO, has the inspiration changed at all with time on the job?
1: The inspiration. Can you explain that a little deeper for me?
0: I've tried to stop using this term, but so often it's lonely at the top, right? Like everything kind of runs up, falls to you. You have a team that's around you, but in the end, you have to make that final decision. So often before we actually get to that position of CEO, you know, um, when I first brought this question around, it came from a friend of mine who did uh, recruiting work, and he often said that the toughest position to hire for is the CEO, because if they've never been at that leader before if they they can be the greatest number two but can you be the CEO (laughs) right so once so once you got that chair that that office did the inspiration change at all or is it the same that that you've always had
1: um no I don't think the inspiration has changed at all I I think this is so I can't even believe this but I've been a CEO now since 2008 and I started out at, at Yakima Valley Credit Union and you know, it became Celerity because I facilitated a merger with another, um, with another credit union in town and merger of people. And it became Celerity in 2011. So, you know, that's still a long time, 2011 to 2020. That's a long time. And I never would have thought in a million years that I would be in the same job that many years. I mean, never, that was not my gig. Right. But the thing about being the CEO is I facilitate change. I'm an agent of change. And so I'm constantly, Moving the organization in a different direction based on what I think, where I think it needs to be, you know, 12, 24, 60 months from now. Right, yeah. And that's an ever changing environment. You know, it's changed dramatically. If this was the same industry, if this was the same job it was when I started in 1989, I, There'd be there'd be no way. It'd be so I'd be so terribly bored. But it's not. It's an industry that financial services is what I'm talking about, credit unions of course being part of that, but financial services has been under disruption for the last ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the industry is changing dramatically. It's exciting. And so um, having the ability to, you know, lead through and facilitate the organization through those changing times is, is never gets boring for me.
0: That's true. I, I hear you there. I have to ask this question. You mentioned 2008 was when you became a CEO for the first time. So first time CEO in a financial crisis, any tips you can give the the new CEOs today? I've, I know I've talked to a couple who have, you know, first time CEOs, and then a global pandemic hit any, <laughs> any tips as somebody who survived a turbulent time, I guess you could say in your first year. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. My, I always laugh about my predecessor. I'm like, man, that guy got out at just the right time. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, what I would say is follow your instincts, be conservative. You cannot, the thing about a recession, I've been waiting for a recession for a while because mm-hmm. I now made it through, you know, the great recession. Yep. have Feel as though I'm an experienced CEO for the last three or four years I've been saying, oh I can't wait for the next recession. It's gonna be opportunity to capture market share. Like we are positioned from a capital perspective, from a talent perspective, like as others exit. If we will be we will be there and open and ready to do business the good business that they won't be willing to do because they'll make blanket decisions about we don't we no longer do construction lending we no longer do and I'll be able to come in with my great team of people and we'll be able to take some of that market share so um, I guess I would say to new CEOs uh, don't be overly you know be cautious follow your gut be conservative but don't be overly cautious okay, do yeah. the stuff that makes sense do the stuff that makes sense and take opportunities. Um, to grow your business when others are going to be retracting.
0: That's good stuff there. As a leader, is there something that people on your team have heard you say so many times that they can finish your sentence?
1: Probably, yeah. And that would be that the definition of member centricity is flawless execution of member experience at every touch point, every time.
0: Ah, I like that. Jeez. Is there a common myth about leadership that you would want to debunk?
1: <laughs> there are so many. Um, <laughs> The biggest myth about leadership that I would debunk is that leaders who care about the organization first and foremost, which, frankly, we should all be putting this organization above everybody, including ourselves, because it's for the members. But it would be incorrect to say that a CEO who has the perspective of it's about the organization first doesn't also care about the people in the
0: organization. I hear what you're saying there. Uh, when you think back to earlier in your career, was there a mistake that you made or, you know, now as a leader, is there a mistake that you just see young leaders make?
1: The mistake would be that you want to feel like people are, like you. You should never mistake someone's politeness or their um, respect as actually liking you and considering you to be someone they're friendly with. You should always realize that they are treating you with respect because of the position that you hold and, um, you should respect them equally, obviously.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but that it is that respect that will get you the engagement and the loyalty much more so than the fact that they like you.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Has there been a piece of advice or a life lesson that you received that you find yourself going back to over and over in your career?
1: Yes, I had the luxury of, of mentors. Of course, you know, that's the other thing about mentors. I think you've, if you see opportunity to get a mentor and you grab it, then yeah. maybe you were lucky or maybe you just had you just saw an opportunity that others were too afraid to take. But I had a mentor tell me in my early 20s that what you need to understand is that from the moment your car pulls in the parking lot and your foot steps onto the pavement, everybody's watching you.
0: Yeah. And
1: that is the truth.
0: I, I remember early on in CU Insight, a friend of mine at Q's. She said that their former CEO, Fred Johnson, used to tell them, like, the second you step on the plane going to a conference, you never know who's behind you or watching you, you know, that type of a thing. There could be a member right behind there. So, yeah, that's something that's good advice. It's something I've passed on to my team as well when we're out running around. So, you know, before we move on to the last part of the show, if you have a free day, there's nothing on the calendar. I know those are rare. But what passions do you have outside of credit unions? What do you do do to relax? You know, that work-life integration. What does that look like for you?
1: Right. I have a family yep. I guess it's another uh, myth we'd like to, I'd like to debunk is that you can be a successful career-oriented female and have a family yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so I love to spend time with them and because it's so, so beautiful and sunny and warm out you know one of the things we do during the, the summertime is we like to go boating
2: yeah.
1: yep. we like to spend our time on the water and uh, and I love to travel and vacation um, any number of places I, I love to travel of course yes it's not 2020 has not granted me much opportunity for
0: that no that's the painful part for us as well so <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> we yeah, renewed yeah. our passports during this though since we knew we couldn't go anywhere so that yeah, was, don't uh, let
1: that thing expire because that's uh, a real pain
0: <laughs> yeah no we both it now it took about 10 weeks to get them back we were like freaking out the whole time felt you know naked without our passports but can't use them right now, so <laughs> we finally did yes. both go to the back, though. <laughs> On to the last part of the show, the, the rapid-fire questions. The, the questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. What were you like in high school? And do you remember the first time you got into memorable trouble?
1: <laughs> in high school, I was uh, a slacker and a partier. And I remember getting into trouble having my mom called by another parent when I was a senior in high school about getting caught at a party.
0: Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> That's funny. The, the last guest on the podcast talked about their senior year too two and they took their family's Jeep, Victor, um, <laughs> from Cooper. He, uh, he forgot that the tides came in and out. <laughs> parked oh, the jeep way too close to them but yeah it was another like oh yeah high school yep so it's always fun to think about that. that's that's good stuff uh mm-hmm. you know most of us stumbled into a career in credit unions in one way or another it's it sounds like i mean you got into them very very young uh what did you want to be when you grew up
1: before uh, before that before uh, credit uh, unions before <laughs> credit unions oh i actually wanted to be a graphic designer i huh? thought i wanted to be a CAD designer.
0: Yeah. And now you probably have some that work for you. So (laughs) Uh, do you have any daily routines that if you don't do your day just feels off?
1: Yes. I get up early in the morning. I get up about about four thirty in the morning and I, I like to work out. And if I don't do that, then yeah, my day feels kind of off. Now, obviously on the weekends, I don't get up quite that early.
0: (laughs) Wow. You might be competing with when Tansley Stearns was on the podcast. She gets up about four o'clock in the 4.30 in the morning too. That's crazy. I thought I was an early riser at 5.30. So (laughs) the random question, what's the, the best album of all time? That one you can listen to without skipping a song.
1: Oh, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction.
0: <laughs> we, we, when you said slacker, I thought we might be about the same age and everything. So I've told everybody for years that's the best album of all time, from front to back. It's the reason I asked the question, and you're the first one to show say that. Uh, 90 episodes in, you're the first person to say that one on the podcast. So. <laughs> Thank you. You just made me smile. It's <laughs> <Great. laughs> my favorite too. So I'm a reader. Jill and I have a stack of books around the house. Uh, many were recommended from people on the show. Is there a book that either you've gifted others or you just think everybody should read?
1: Yes, Good to Great by Jen Collins.
0: That's a good one. That's for sure. As you've gotten older, what's become more important? And my favorite part of this question, what's become less important?
1: As I've gotten older, what's become more important is my weekends. My weekends have become much more important. I actually, at this point, rarely work on a weekend. I might check emails, but to me, that's not working because email is just life now. But I don't, I try not to work on weekends. And what has become less important?
2: Hmm,
1: friends.
0: Yeah. Tell, tell me more about that. That's the first time that answer has ever been given. Is it a smaller group now or is it? Yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah.
1: Much, much smaller group. You know, yeah. I used to be pretty social, you know, and uh, and had kind of like this big group of friends and I could, you know, go to any different little subset of that group, you know, and spend a, a weekend, you know? And so like, you know, having friends, like I love to entertain. I love to be around groups of people. It's actually really this pandemic has really made me kind of taken a second thought about that. Like, do I really need to have a party, or is it okay for me yeah, to just yeah. have the kids over? Right. You know, I mean, we have four kids and maybe the kids and their, and their boyfriend and girlfriends are okay. And you know, we'll just hang out. So I, yeah, it's just become less important to spend a lot of social time with a large group of friends.
0: Awesome answer. I love when there's new answers on the show. So there's a question that I didn't send you when you hear the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind?
1: Oh goodness. Success. First person that comes to mind. Wow. That's a difficult one. I have all sorts of different, like I, when I think about success, I'm thinking about, you know, people think about success in so many different ways, you know, like you know, I love this question. monetarily or they <laughs> think about it like fame wise. And, and, you know, I don't, I, I guess when I think about the first person I thought of was my husband um, and that's, that feels weird.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> but,
1: um, I feel like, it's, you know, he is a business owner. He's an entrepreneur and he has structured his business in a way that allows him a lot of free time to do other things.
0: I feel like I need to meet your husband.
1: (laughs) And And he has a great, he has great, He's a great family and a great wife. So, you know, he's pretty much made
0: it. That's awesome. I love that. I, I love that as an entrepreneur who's structured my life to have a lot of flexibility. I I appreciate that. So that's that, That's great. Moms and dads get a lot of shout outs there, but husbands, not 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 so many. So I, I, I like the answer. Uh, <laughs> thank you again, Mina, for being on the show and sharing your story. The last question that I have for you is, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners or, or asks of them? <laughs>
1: Well, I guess I would presume most of your listeners are members of the of the credit union industry. Absolutely. In union
0: yep. <laughs> and
1: and I would just ask that uh, we continue to innovate, think outside of the box, for the good of the entire industry, for the the long term um, relevance of our industry, because I think it is a, a necessary thing to do for us to be able to uh, to sustain the industry in the way that it needs to be. So.
0: Absolutely. Well, we will link to everything we talked about in the show notes today. If people have additional questions of you, it's best way to reach you: LinkedIn, the Twitter machine, email. What's your poison?
1: Email's good. It's M Worthington at celeritycu.org and so yeah email
0: always works for me uh, thank you again and thank you for seconding the greatest album of all time so <laughs> I, 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 that made my day I, I hope you know stay healthy and be well and, and I hope you have an amazing day alright
1: thank you
0: Randy before we go I'd like to just give a big thank you to all of you our listeners uh, we couldn't do this if it wasn't for you I it, we greatly appreciate all the the support and Love bringing you these episodes each week. Also, thank you to Mina for taking the time out of her busy schedule to share her experiences with all of us. And, of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, PSCU. Our our friends at PSCU have been longtime partners and supporters of ours at cuinsight.com. So please make sure to click on their link in the show notes. Give them some love. See everything they have going on to help the credit union community. Uh, One last thing. Don't forget about that CU Insight Experience podcast book list. If you need some stimulation for the old mind, we've got you covered. You can get your next book recommendation from the guests on our show. Thank you all again for listening. Hope you have an amazing day, and please stay healthy, friends.